What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Blaine Fowler here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. Quarterback great Max Hall joined the show to look back on his win with BYU against Oklahoma in 2009 and what he thinks the Cougars have to do on Saturday to recreate the upset. And on the next episode, it's game day eve before BYU hosts number 14 Oklahoma. We'll make time for Dennis Pitta this time to preview the matchup. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, always here on BYU Radio. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It's Thursday, November 16th. I'm Blaine Fowler. Spencer Linton will be joining us in just a minute. Yesterday, Spencer had the chance to talk with tight end Isaac Rex about joining the BYU record books with the most touchdowns ever by a tight end in BYU history and about preparing for his final game in LaBelle Edwards Stadium against a tough Oklahoma football team. Here's that conversation. Isaac, now we're essentially to the midway point of practice this week as you stare down Oklahoma. I know that it was tough to turn the page after a brutal game against Iowa State, but where are you mentally as a team and as an offense You know, at, at this point of practice? Yeah, I mean, it's been tough. Obviously, these past three games have been kind of an eye-opener for us of, you know, the conference as a whole and, you know, the teams that we're playing. But we can't let up. I mean, we can't, you know, back down, can't cry about the past games. We got Oklahoma's top-ranked team coming into our house. We got to play our best game. So um, that's what we're looking forward to and uh, we're preparing the best uh, for them. Kalani and Aaron Roderick have both mentioned, look, we're, we're throwing in different twists and, and trying different things to try and get the guys into you know, a new lane, if you will, to, to kind of get their confidence back. So in your opinion, how, how are things different this week in practice? Like what, what are those nuanced changes, if, if there have been any in your opinion? I feel like we're going actually a little lighter. We're a little lighter on our, on our feet, not as much team reps that we've been doing in the past. I mean, these past 10 weeks, we've been going pretty hard on, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and they kind of scaled it back a little. They know, you know, we've gone through a tough schedule. They know we've, uh, our bodies are really beat up. And so kind of laid off us a little, which has helped, I think, in my opinion, just being an older player. Um, but, you know, they're, they're also trying to stay positive with us. Um, they're telling us what we've done wrong, obviously, and they're coaching us and helping us improve. But you know, they're also trying to point out the good things that may have happened, you know, some of the good things that may have happened in the game. And, uh, yeah, just making sure we have confidence going into this game. It's going to be your senior day, even though you're not technically, uh, I mean, I guess technically you are a senior, but if you throw in COVID exceptions and red shirts, <laughs> yeah. like, it feels like you could play forever. Know, yeah, yeah. So how is this emotionally for you knowing this is your final home game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? No, it's pretty sad. It's like a whole chapter being closed in my life. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed Every minute of being a BYU uh, football player and just growing up, you know, idolizing all the players and then becoming one and able to contribute to the team has been so awesome. And so um, it's I'll always be a part of BYU, though, you know, coming back. I got brothers that will play here, cousins that will play here. So the Rex name will be um, a legacy name for a long time at, at BYU. And, you know, I'm excited to see where it goes. But, yeah, for me personally, it, it's sad. Um, but... You know, I'm excited for, you know, maybe a new chapter after after football. Maybe this isn't the time to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because you are the all-time touchdown receptions leader for tight ends at BYU, and you talk about the Rex name being associated with BYU forever. It's there with your dad now. It certainly is there with you. 
What does that type of mark mean to you uh, to have accomplished something like that? It's cool. No, I can't. I can't deny it. it's been super cool. Um, you know, to kind of have a record uh, at BYU. I mean, there's been so many good tight ends. There's been so many better tight ends than me. There's going to be better tight ends than me at BYU. But you know, having a, a record to my name is is pretty cool accomplishment. I can't thank the coaches enough. Uh, I can't thank uh, you know my teammates, all the guys who threw me those passes. Um, you know, the defenders that maybe lost their eyesight a couple times or I was able to make a play on them. You know, it's been uh, a fun uh, yeah, journey at BYU. Um, and so it's it's been really cool. You know, I was talking to Dennis Pitta today. We watch film um, every week and, you know, he, he, he thinks it's a super cool accomplishment. And, uh, you know, it's cool to see alumni kind of reach out to me and, and say how, you know, how they're proud of me. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a really cool experience. Well, I can tell you this much. You're the best tight end to ever have cabbage patched in an end zone. You agree with that? Yeah, I'm probably the only one. So, I mean, there's not much competition. So, yeah. Fair enough. As you look at Oklahoma's defense, we switch our attention back to the game. How do they compare to other Big 12 defenses that you have seen? Yeah, I mean, they don't have a set defense, Oklahoma. When you look at their um, – their defense it's different coverages every play different fronts every play different blitzes i know brett venable he's been uh you know a defensive guru his whole uh career you know starting at oklahoma and then going to clemson and you know his defense is super complicated um they have so many different uh, looks that they're going to give you uh, but you know they also have really good athletes to back it up smart players you know oklahoma is a really good team and so hopefully you know we could capitalize maybe on because they have so many different variations and different defenses, um, you know, we can hopefully catch them off guard in some cases. But, you know, Oklahoma's defense is, you know, really highly rated. They're, they're good. They got uh, highly rated guys all over the field. So it's definitely going to be a challenge. Where do you feel like BYU, whether it's Jake Retzloff or it's Keaton Slovis, has a chance to exploit some of those multiple fronts? Yeah, I feel like, you know, just maybe in the game, just taking what's given to you, you know, just for the quarterbacks, just don't try to maybe do too much. Just play within your your range, play within your game. And I know those guys have done it before. They've made a lot of great plays this season. And, um, you know, I, I just don't, when you try to like outplay yourself maybe, or try to do too much, that's when mistakes maybe happen at times. So that's how I feel maybe as a more experienced player, whenever I try to do, you know, what's out of my lane or out of my job or, you know, out of whatever my assignment is, that's kind of when things fall apart. So I'm, yeah, Jake and, and Keaton, you know, they're going to play great on Saturday. They, they have a lot of experience too, and they're going to, you know, um, just play within the system, play within the game, and everything will be good. I know what a sixth win in a bowl game would mean to you, certainly as a guy playing your last year at BYU and, and to so many others. And, and the guys have been very open about it. They've mentioned it a lot, like six wins is on our mind. How do you deal with that and compartmentalize that while you get ready for the first of your two remaining games? Yeah, I mean, I really want to get a sixth win. I want to go to a bowl game. I haven't missed a bowl game. My um, This is my fifth year, so I haven't missed a bowl game yet. Um, and, you know, bowl games are always fun. I get to take the wife and the kid, which will be cool, uh, to wherever we're going. And, you know, it's it's a good accomplishment, especially in a first year in a conference that, you know, is really a, a good conference. Um, 
it would be huge for BYU to get that sixth win and to be able to go to a bowl game. So that is on our mind. We can't deny it. Um, but if you're too focused on that one win, you know, you're not going to be able to uh, focus on your assignments and your everything else. It's like one play at a time. Uh, just focus on your assignment. Do your job. That's kind of what we're preaching this week. And, you know, that win will come um, if we all do our 111. All right, as we close out and you think again about senior day, what would your message be to BYU fans that were there against Iowa State and, and were frustrated, but knowing you need them to show up and, and be that, you know, Lavelle Edwards Stadium magic for you against a team like Oklahoma? Yeah, no, we're going to need every fan there. Um, obviously, we're embarrassed to have a home loss like that against Iowa State. and. We promise, you know, we're not going to put that up. We're going to put up a fight. We're going to um, go down to the wire. I mean, we need every fan there cheering their heads off, being loud. Um, it helps us so much. And Lavelle Edwards has always been a tough place to play at, and especially early in the morning, you know, when we're, we're there just waking up, we're just waking up. Like, if we could get that, that, uh, that loud sound going, that basically an alarm, like, tell us to wake up and also tell them, like, hey, you're coming into a crazy house, it will be huge for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're obviously embarrassed about Iowa State, but we're moving on. We're trying to put on a better uh, product on the field this Saturday. Isaac, we appreciate the time as always. If you got a magic breakfast food on Saturday morning, it's time to break that out, man. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I think our wake-up call is at 6.15, so throwback to the mission. Good thing I was always obedient on that rule. <laughs> I always woke up at 6.30. Uh, if my mission president's listening to that, I did. I actually was very obedient, but sometimes, you know, I maybe looked up BYU stats online and stuff like that. But maybe snuck BYU Sports Nation a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but now the kids have you know Facebook and all that, so I don't even feel bad for maybe going on the internet on P Day. But I always woke up at 6:30. That was the one rule I never broke. I love that. Actually, I want to say one more thing. If you get in the end zone at any point against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, I want you to cabbage patch again. <laughs> Maybe I will. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll do I'll do I'll do okay. Thanks, Isaac. All right, thanks. Isaac Rex on BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton here with Blaine Fowler. Really fun interview that Isaac presented and a very stark contrast, understandably, from what he was feeling right after the Iowa State game when you had a few days to process. And But I, I do appreciate how real he is, where he's like, we're trying to just do too much. Guys yeah. are, are, are stepping out of their usual assignments, and we're not doing what we usually do. No, and I was glad to hear him say that. We're going to talk to Max Hall in here in just a bit and and uh, pick his brain. But I think a lot of us that had a chance to go back and watch the film yeah. on both sides have had a chance now to go, wait a minute. There's a lot of effort out there. Guys are running all over the place. That's the problem. All over the place. And Isaac talked about that in the interview. Guys getting a little stressed out, thinking they got to, you know, got to get to a bowl game. They're not used to losing this number of games. And they're getting outside of themselves. And so right there toward the end, he said, everybody needs to do their job and things will be all right. If you're backside um, on a run and your job is to stay home for the cutback or the you stay home, you don't go chase the ball over there. On offense, if your job is to run an 18-yard route, you run an 18-yard route, not deeper or not less. Sure. Try, you do what you're supposed to do. And I'm, I'm glad that Isaac recognized that. He's a leader on this team. And you know, he, he's got a lot of credibility um, with his teammates because of what he's been through and how he's battled back. He's still – I still don't know that he's 100% or ever can be 100% with an ankle injury 
that he had. Sure. So for me to watch him come back from what he came back from and for his teammates to watch that, um, you really kind of put him up there and go, okay, this guy knows how to grind. This guy is unselfish and here and grinding and working hard, never complains when he – I mean, he should have broke that touchdown record long, long ago. Sure, sure. Um, so I love it when he identifies what's wrong because he's the kind of leader that can get everybody to buy in and everybody to do their job. Sure. And he addressed, you know, what a successful offensive performance would look like right. in a way against Oklahoma, which leads us to our question of the day. In your minds, what would qualify – as a successful offensive showing from BYU football against the Sooners. Alex Beach on X answers, a successful offensive performance for me would start with sustained drives. That would help keep the defense rested and the Oklahoma offense off the field. Other than that, at least three offensive touchdowns and one or fewer turnovers would make it a successful day for the offense. Alex laid it out. Like, he laid it, he laid it out. So, um, Rex Culp on Instagram says, 100 yards rushing, 200-plus yards passing, uh, 21 points, and it's a contest. Okay. I, and both of those – hey, those two are both kind of right on the All mind. Right. I, I feel this way in this league, especially against good, a good, against good teams. you got to score in 30s. Yes. So, really, this is about scoring offense. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether or not you move – the ball you gotta score. much as long as you score you can move the ball for 400 yards and not score and ask lose. Cincinnati and Arkansas about because that against he, BYU because turnovers are paramount it's all about scoring offense but I like that and it does help the defense if you can move the chains a little bit and stay out there and they have time to time to um to get a little bit of rest and talk so so anyhow yeah I, I think these guys both hit it right on the nail so Hey, get ready for kickoff between number 14 Oklahoma and BYU with the BYU-SN Game Day crew. That's us right there. Coverage begins at 10 a.m. Eastern. That's eight mountains, Spencer. Woo. Crew call at 6 a.m. on BYU TV and ESPN+. Give me that bacon in the morning, Blaine. Let's go. <laughs> Up next, the all-time winningest quarterback in BYU football history and a guy who beat Oklahoma head-to-head. -head. Max Hall joins the show. What's his formula for success for the offense? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hall to the end zone, touchdown. Here's Max Hall going deep, got a man open, and he's got him. The Cougars upset the third ranked team in the country. What a night back in 2009 for BYU football as they took down the third-ranked Sooners. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, and the man who quarterbacked that BYU team to that remarkable win at Jerry's World in Texas. Max Hall is back on the program. Max, welcome to BYUSN. We couldn't not have you on during Oklahoma week, brother, so thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, it's kind of nice this year. It's always Utah week and now Oklahoma week. I can kind of count on that every year that that's when I'm going to be on. So appreciate you guys. Uh, hey, we, we could have you on every week the way you break the game down and, and with your mentality. But those were, you know, Utah's always a special week. This is a big week as we look yeah. back. What, what do you remember most about beating Oklahoma uh, in that big win in 2009? It, it, was, a, it was a special win. I mean, it might have been my favorite win of my career because the year before we came off the loss to Utah at Utah, and then we lost our bowl game my junior year. 
So there was a lot of fire behind us in that team going into that game. It was the first game of the season, and we prepared like crazy all offseason for it. So that game meant a lot, not just because it was Oklahoma, but how were we going to bounce back from the season before? And we just had a group of guys that we just weren't scared, and we believed that we could beat anybody. And so going into that game, I just remember always having the feeling that we were going to win. For whatever reason, you know, I just I, I knew it in my mind. I didn't doubt it at all. So um, it was a I mean, a phenomenal night. What I remember most about it is the defense showed up, man. The defense played so well in that game. Fourth, fourth and goal stands, turnovers. I mean, you can see it right there flying around um, and it gave energy to our offense. And we were able to go down, you know, at the end of the game on that final drive and get it done. Now, Max, I know that you and Dennis have on multiple occasions addressed a really cool story that features McKay Jacobson where he's standing in the end zone a few months before the game. I'm not sure exactly the time frame there, but he's standing in the end zone. He's on the phone with you, and he's saying, I'm in the end zone, so I'm going to catch a touchdown. And then it comes to fruition. So if you could fill in the details about what happened there in that phone call with McKay. Yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember, but I remember him calling and talking about, you know, how much it meant to him and that he wanted to score a touchdown and, and in that stadium and in that game and, um, you know, being in the hometown and all that. I know it meant a lot to him. So, I mean, the excitement at the end of the game when he caught that ball, it was just it was unreal. It was just like that win was supposed to be and everything fell into place for it to work. So couldn't have been more happy for McKay. I have I have to admit, Max, that so I was there on the sideline for that game. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you the other night. Max and I talked for a long time the other night. It was really fun. But um, I stood by the tunnel when Oklahoma came out, and the first group that came out was their offensive line. And as they came out, they walked by, and I was like, oh, my gosh, these guys have some dudes. We are in trouble. Like, I'm like, we don't have any dudes like those dudes. And, and you guys were 23-point underdogs heading into yeah. that game. And, and yet you just talked about how you had so much confidence going in that you could win. So now here comes BYU. They're 24-and-a-half-point underdogs this Saturday. What's the key for them to pull off an upset against a team that's going to look just like you – know, that has dudes, just like that team had dudes? Oh, I think we might have lost Max just for a second. We'll try and reconnect with him. Yeah. Okay. And you bring up an intriguing question that I'm going to follow up with as well. Like, we're, we're, we need to talk to the guy who understands offense at a very high level. Right. Okay, about what's the most fixable element for BYU. And yes, to answer your question, Blaine, how in the world does BYU pull off an upset when they're similarly to 2009, just a massive underdog? And, and Oklahoma still looks like that Oklahoma team. Like, I, when they started to hang in there and knock Oklahoma around a little bit, they knocked Sam Bradford off, out, out, I'm thinking, whoa, this team came they're, they're playing like a bunch of crazed dogs. Like, like they, they just came with this mindset that they had nothing to lose, everything to gain. They could play free and loose. But when I say free and loose, that doesn't mean that they weren't good in terms of their assignments, right? So free and loose means you're, you're playing full speed, full tilt, but you're not getting out of yourself like we just talked about with Isaac Rex. You're doing your job, but you're doing your job at a fanatic effort level. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that's what that team did. And it wasn't very long in that game before I started to go, yeah, Oklahoma has some dudes, but you know what? BYU's got some dudes. 
Like, these guys are balling out. Colby Clawson uh, was out there making plays. Jordan Pendleton was out there making plays on defense. Max alluded to the defense and how well they played. And Max and Dennis and, and, and that group, McKay, as we see him catch a ball here. Those guys all were making big plays over and over and again. They played yeah. without fear. They played loose. They had belief, Blaine. And Austin Colley was on the show yesterday with mm -hmm. me co-hosting, and he brought that up first thing. I said, okay, wh where does it start, Austin? He said, belief. And that stems from leaders kind of saying, okay, we believe. We're going to show you the way. Now buy into what we're telling you. BYU has to have some good things happen early in this game, and then that belief grows. Yeah, and I think, you know, we look at a game like last week, it's one, thing, it's one thing to have a game where you turn the ball over early and you say, come on, guys, we can, we can overcome this. But when that happens um, in another game and then in another game and then in another game. So last week against Iowa State, like your snake it, was like, it yeah. was like, wait a minute here. We did not just give them 10 points again to start the game. Like how many times? I'm not sure we can come back from this again. Yeah. Um, and so it becomes, it becomes, in terms of a mindset, a tough thing to deal with. And it sounds like we've got Max back with yep. us. Um, and so I, I want to follow up with that, Max. Uh, um, where we talked about you guys going in and me looking at that team thinking, I don't know how we're going to match up with these guys. Yet you had all the confidence in the world. So now here's BYU as a 24-and-a-half point underdog. Oklahoma still has dudes, just like they always do. What, what does BYU need to do uh, to get ready to be able to – Get another upset this Saturday. Well, I'll tell you, and when I came back, I kind of heard a little bit of what you were saying, Blaine, and I think you're spot on. They cannot start the game like they've been starting games because I believe that this team, if they do start slow, may not be able to recover in the end, just like you said. Um, because right now things haven't been going well, and so if those – major mistakes or turnovers or whatever happened early, you're, you're going to feel the energy and the belief of the team just come down. Yes. So it has to be a game where they they got to start fast. They got to execute. And I talked about this a little bit the other night with you, Blaine, and they have to just go out there and do their job and have fun playing football. Don't make it bigger than it needs to be. Just go play and do your job and execute and let's see what happens. And I think if we start making some plays, we score early, Defense gets a stop. I think that belief goes up, and we start seeing the BYU team, you know, that we all know can play. So I think that's going to be key because if it's a slow start, I don't think we'll recover. You know, Max, I want to um, ask you a question. You and I were having a conversation the other night, and you articulated this so beautifully the other night. I'm like, man, Max just said exactly what I've been thinking, but he said it so much better than I could ever say it. So <laughs> I, want you, I want you to expound on it a little bit. People have come up to me and said they just look like they're not trying out there. Um, but but as I've watched the oh. film, I'm like, no, guys are running hard. It's not about physically trying. It, it's it's something else. And you put your finger on it so well. Talk to us a little bit about what you've seen and and whether or not you think the team's not trying physically. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I disagree with that. And I and I've actually seen some comments of you know, people saying like, oh, the players don't even care as much as maybe some of the fans doing all that. That's all that's all nonsense. Okay. Players want to win. What I see is a team that is giving effort, that is trying, but they're pressing. They're trying to do too much. They're trying to win the game back in one play. And in my opinion, it's a mindset. 
So it's not it's not necessarily the effort. It's the mindset of the effort. Can you put and harness that into execution and doing your job? And that's where I think BYU is falling short right now, because now you've got guys out of position trying to make plays, trying to do things maybe outside the scheme. And that's causing mistakes. And then guys are getting frustrated and then they're pressing. It's like a it's like a basketball player who kind of comes out cold and he just keeps forcing three balls up. You know, maybe you should try to get to the basket, maybe get a foul, get some free throws in, right? Get you going a little bit. And I think that's what BYU is doing. A hundred percent, it is a mindset, in my opinion. And how do they channel that energy and effort into execution? Well said by Max Hall, former BYU quarterback and one of the greats with us on BYU Sports Nation. If you had to pinpoint the most fixable element of the BYU offense right now, this late in the season, what would that be and why? That, that's, a, that's a very tough question. Initially, I want to say we got to fix the run game, the offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is playing up to standard. I love those dudes. I never want to rag on offensive linemen. Uh, they're, my, they're my guys. But, you know, I expect a little bit more out of them. And then, obviously, we just need a little bit more consistency in the quarterback play. And uh, I think those are the two things that are hurting us the most, at least from an offensive uh, standpoint. You know, I've been saying to, to compete in this league since before the season started, that it's a different ballgame. You've got to score in the 30s if you're going to win, yeah. uh, because these offenses are just too good in this league. It's not – and I, I think, Max, didn't you guys have the pillar that um, on defense, hold them under 24 and we win? So the expectation was if you could get over 24. And with us, we used to say – and, yep. I, you know, I'm old school, way old school. We used to say um, if we hold them under 21, then we should win every game if we hold them under 21. I, I feel like that's changed. I mean, am I crazy to think that we need to score in the 30s, or is, is that a legitimate thought, Max? No, I think it's a legitimate thought. You know, back even when I was playing, that pillar held true. And, you know, Bronco, you know, one of his other pillars was win the turnover battle and then the 24-point rule. Offense got to score more, defense got to hold them under. And every time we did that, we won. So it worked. But I think football has changed since I since even I played, you know, however long ago that's been. It's just a different offenses are faster. They're more dangerous. They have better weapons. They got mobile quarterbacks. Um, the way that the rules of the game has changed, uh, I think teams need to score more. I, I think you're 100% right. To win games consistently, you have to consistently be scoring in the 30s and 40s, especially in a conference that BYU is in right now because they're going to go up against some of the best offenses in the nation, and they're going to put up points. And if we can't match that from an offensive standpoint on our team, not going to win very many games, and I think that's why you know we've struggled this year is we just haven't been able to put points on the board. Max Hall on BYU Sports Nation, and once upon a time, you, my friend, were a young quarterback making his first few starts at BYU, and frankly, you opened up against a Power Five. Arizona was your first start. Jake Retzloff is in that area. Now he's facing Oklahoma, which is just a massive challenge in and of itself to be in a Power Five conference week after week. It's not like he could ease into it. So at this point, as he makes his third start, what advice would you give to him about helping him get in the groove and get in a rhythm and find some success early in this game? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And you know, I opening up my two games, I believe it was U of A and UCLA. Uh, we went one and one there, but I wasn't opening up against West Virginia and Iowa State and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like these are good football teams. 
And um, I would I would say for Jake, um, I, I love his energy. I love his passion. I love his playmaking ability. He just kind of brought a little bit different energy to the offense, moving around. But what I would say for him is don't try to do too much. You've got to rely on your playmakers around you. Figure out a way to get the ball in those guys' hand so we take the pressure off the quarterback a little bit. So there you go. I, I, Rex and all these receivers and these running backs – we got to make plays. And when we have opportunities to make them, we have to step up and get it done. And I think that takes some pressure off the QB a little bit, lets them relax and feel more comfortable that, hey, the guys around me are going to play hard. They're going to make plays for me. I don't feel like I have to be perfect the whole game. And I think that's going to be get big for him going forward. So trust your guys around you. Trust the scheme. Make sure you know the, 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 um, the game plan going in, inside out and um, have confidence in your preparation. And I think that'll bring some calmness to him. Um, now that he's played a couple games, I, I expect him to, to execute better and to look a little bit more polished in this game, even though he's going against a really good team. That's awesome, awesome advice. I, re I remember Max, um, Mike Holmgren, when we were freshman and sophomore players with Mike, he used to say, when you're a freshman and sophomore, don't even think you cannot go win a game, and I don't expect you to win a game. I just don't want you to lose a game for us. <laughs> we'll talk about that when you're a junior or senior. When you're a senior, I might have yeah. to have, put it on your back and go win a game, but not as a freshman or sophomore. Just don't go lose it, right? And that's what Max just described. Yeah. Fantastic, Max. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, let, let's let's uh, get you up here. We, we need we – need, we need, uh, I'm telling you, you could be one of the big-time college or Let's NFL go. quarterback coaches Let's out go. there because I love your mentality, and I love talking X's and O's with you. Thanks for being with us, man. Hey, I appreciate that, Blaine. Thank you, Spencer. Appreciate you too, man. So anytime, I'd love to be on with you guys. So I'll get up there soon enough, I promise. As soon as our season's over, I'll try to get up there. Let's go. Right on, Max. Talk to you later. Sounds yeah. good. You got it. Max Hall on BYU Sports Nation. It, listen, we need all the good vibes that we can generate to try and – send those to this BYU football team. And uh, we heard from Isaac Rex earlier. To his credit, they're trying to turn the page. And they're, just trying, they're trying to find a fresh footing and, frankly, a better footing on that field at Lavelle Edwards Stadium <laughs> with yes. maybe some different cleats, but I digress. Yeah, there we go. Okay, They're just trying to find something, this renewed hope and belief. And, and Max had such belief that that was one of his best things. So, hey. Everybody do your job. Isaac said it and Max said it. We'll do our job. They do their job. Everything will be fine. Hey, join Greg Rebell, Hans Olsen, Mitchell Jurgens, and Ben Bagley uh, this Saturday for Cougar Pregame Live as they get you ready for kickoff between the Cougars and the Sooners. Coverage begins at 10 a.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. While BYU is the clear big underdog against the Sooners, how different will BYU's offense look? Let's say if... Keaton Slovis does get in the game. Is there a chance? Or is it Jake Retzloff's show and that's it? We'll break down the differences next in what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook. X, can I still call it Twitter? Yes. X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're all over social media. Why couldn't it be Y? Then it would fit perfectly with our show. Yes, that would be beautiful. <laughs> but I, I just have the hardest time calling it X. So. I know. I still say Twitter, and people look at me like, you are so old school. Oh, Twitter? It's, it's 
Twitter forever. It really is. <laughs> Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Blaine. Time to rise and shout. Let's get to a loaded edition of What's Trending. Slovis fires. Back of the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, BYU! The Cougs open on top! BYU with a significant challenge staring them down on Saturday morning. And early in the week, we wondered, okay, Keaton Slovis has been out for a couple of weeks. Jake Retzloff has had his two starts. Who's going to be the guy? And both Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake were asked about that. And Kalani said, well, when Keaton is healthy, he's the guy. But he's not healthy. And Aaron Roderick said on Coordinator's Corner that Jake Retzloff is, for all intents and purposes, preparing to make the start. But just because I've had so many people ask me, well, would BYU have a better chance even if Keaton Slovis is like 75% or 80% Spencer? Like, what, what would the BYU offense look like if that is the case? So, Blaine, you're a quarterback. Let's discuss what, what would BYU roll out if they put out Keaton Slovis as the starting quarterback on Saturday? Yeah, it, and it's hard because I have to go all the way back to fall camp to really understand, or to the first couple of games, yeah. because what we didn't know until a couple of weeks ago is that Keaton Slovis has been hurt since the Arkansas game, right? And so... And I noticed, I was like, man, is Keaton just digressing a little bit? Because in fall camp, in the first couple of games, like his ability to throw the deep ball and to stretch the defense was outstanding. Like he could drop that ball in. He was throwing back shoulder throws deep to the sideline on good timing. And then after the Arkansas game, when he was still playing, there were times when I was going, man, he was making those throws. There's just not as much zip on that deep out ball or on that back shoulder throw. Or, man, he had the guy wide open, but he hesitated a minute, and he just didn't have the arm strength, it seemed like, to get it out there. It was just slightly underthrown. Well, now we know he was playing with a shoulder problem during that that was limiting his arm strength. He was good enough to play. Maybe he was 75 or 80%, right? Yeah. Then he compounded that two games ago with an elbow. He tweaked that elbow and that tendon in his elbow. So now he's got the, he had the two problems, which he's thrown the ball this week. He's starting to look like his old self. Yeah. Um, and so, in, in, in short, if he's 100% healthy, he has the ability to drop deep balls in, throw back shoulder throws, and really stretch a defense yes. and get you big plays. Yes. That's what he brings, and experience and leadership. If he's not 100% and you take that away, then it's almost like, well, you're better off with Retzloff because at least he can run around and do some things with his feet, even with his inexperience, and maybe not making the reads quite as quick, and doesn't quite have the touch on the deep balls yet that Keaton Slovis does, you're probably better off with a guy that can run around when Keaton's not 100%. I'd like Keaton Slovis at 100%, but remember, everyone, we haven't had him 100%. Yeah. Even when he played two games, not 100%. But And that's tough to overcome. I mean, that, and, yeah. and you're hanging on because you want the red shirt to remain in place for a guy like Jake Retzloff, and so you're, you're rolling with an injured quarterback in Slovis. And – I'm with most BYU fans. It's senior day, Blaine. Right. This is his final home game. You want to see a guy be able to go out and play in a big-time contest like this against Oklahoma on national TV. He's earned the right to do that, but BYU's trying to win games, and if he's not right, then it's probably not the answer. Like, I, I have this pipe dream that 
Slovis will at least get on the field for one series or, or be able to take a knee in victory formation, how awesome would that be? I know, I know, the, the percentages are just minute. But I'd love to see him out there at some point on senior day. He's just not healthy. Feels like he deserves that, right? And you and I have gotten a chance to get to know all of these guys pretty well. And Keaton Slovis. He's a special, he special is person. A, he is an yeah. amazing human being. And when healthy, he's really effective in there. It's just a shame that this transfer comes. He gets in an offense that can showcase his skills as an NFL candidate. And and then these injuries have, have slowed him down. Certainly. So, okay, I, so I, I just let's hope he has some type of a miraculous where all of a sudden he's throwing the ball full strength today and tomorrow. And they go, you know what? Maybe we could put he looks him on good. The field Let's go and, and switch Let's it up go. a little bit. But for the time being, Aaron Roderick was asked the question straight up last night after practice about who's going to start, and this was his response to that. Not sure yet. Uh, Keaton is not 100%. He's practiced more this week than he did last week, but he's not 100% yet, so still working through that. Are you willing to start him at, if he's not 100%? No, he won't. He won't play unless we unless we feel like he's 100%. We're not going to play him. We gotta. Got to have him. It's not. It's not for his for his sake, you know. Like, not going to put him out there unless he can fully do the job. Okay, the question has now been answered. Then. Yeah. We know Keaton's not 100%. Aaron Rodgers just told us he's not 100% and said he's not going to play. We're going to protect him. We don't want him to get worse. So he's not going to play unless he's there. Now it's Jake Retzloff. So Blaine, two games in, two starts in. Here comes. Jake Retzloff again to make his third start. Mm -hmm. What will the BYU offense look like with Jake in start number three? Yeah, this is there's been a little uh, opportunity for Aaron Roderick to have a chance. Everybody talks about well, Retzloff should be better now. He, he's three games into this thing. He, you know, he has experience out there. He should be better. His, his game will progress, which is absolutely true. But guess who else's game will progress? Aaron Roderick now has had him out there for two games to go. Oh, you know what? Let's look back at the film. I called that play. That's not a great play for him. Like, that, that doesn't fit his skill set. I need to call more of this and less of that. And to me, more of the quick throw stuff. That's the offense he came from. More of the quick throw stuff, get the ball out, and more put him on the move. Okay. And he like, I feel like he gets into the game when he runs the ball a few times and gets hit. Right? He loves to be involved in the run game. So some of this right here where he's running that zone read or, or go true RPO. We saw him do one of those in the games where he it looks like the zone read. He comes out and he flicks the ball out to the sideline. It's a true run pass option. That's where he's at his best right now, and that's where he's most comfortable. He also sees the field with these bigger bodies that he's facing. Um, big D linemen, big backers, defensive backs that are 6'2 and 6'3 that can run. He sees the field better when he gets outside a little bit, too. So I think Aaron Roderick, who will now have two games uh, in the body of work to understand what he does best, we can call a, a game that's more tailored to fit his style yes. of football, and, and he can have more success. It's obviously going to take something very, very special and unique that BYU football has not really put together all year in a game to beat the likes of Oklahoma. And I'm going to cycle back. I'm going to give you two numbers here. I'm going to cycle back to one that was presented to us from a fan yesterday mm -hmm. that pointed out that Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables is 3-8 and eight when his defenses surrender 400 yards of total offense or more. It is worth noting, BYU has not hit the 400-yard total offense plateau one time this season. Not once 
Didn't do it against Sam Houston. Didn't do it against Southern Utah. Had good offensive numbers against Kansas, but still did not hit that 400 pinnacle. So can we be real and say, all right, you want to beat Oklahoma? You Get probably, 400. You probably got to figure out how to put up 400 yards of total offense. BYU is averaging 100 yards less than that. Look at Oklahoma, over 500 a game. So, yeah, you need 400, Blaine. And then the other number is in BYU's five wins compared to their five losses. BYU is 5-0 when they win the turnover margin. They are 0-5 when they lose the turnover and, and that's the You know what? That can override the need to get 400. If, if BYU is plus three, they might be able to get 275 sure. yards. When, that's the other reason, Brent Venables, when teams get 400, that tells you that Oklahoma's probably turned it over a little bit and given them extra possessions. And in Oklahoma's offense is so explosive, less less opportunities. So, so yeah, 400 may be important. Turnover margin the most important, in my opinion. Let's go. There you go. Hey, how about tonight? I cannot wait for tonight. I'm, Tournament I'm, time. I'm going. NCAA women's soccer is at Southfield tonight. Number one seed. They host eight seed USC in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Coverage for tonight's game begins at 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. I will be there in the house tonight. We're going to break down this matchup in headlines and in the whip after the break. Are the Cougars a guaranteed winner tonight on their home field? Can BYU handle the Pac-12 again? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation continues live from the studio bizzle. Yes, it is Blaine Fowler. I am Spencer Linton. Let's roll out today's headlines. Hey, BYU football just two days away from hosting number 14, Oklahoma. Yesterday after practice, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick was asked about what the offense can build off of from their most recent outings that will help them in this one? Well, we've made some progress in our run game the last two weeks. I know it doesn't show in the point totals, but we've, we've, made, we've made some progress. We've blocked a little better in the run game. We're, guys are running hard. Um, and, you know, the other positive is just I think our guys are still playing hard. They, they've never, you know, they, they're, they're, playing, they're playing until the final whistle. And if you, if you keep doing that and you keep working, you always got a chance. Having Eden Robbins healthy the last couple weeks has made a big difference. Getting L.J. Martin back in the mix. That's right. So, hey, pregame coverage, we're part of that. Uh, for this Saturday's game, begins at 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU men's basketball absolutely dismantles Southeastern Louisiana. A team picked to win their conference, by the way. 105 to 48 last night. BYU made 15 threes. They held the Lions to 28% shooting from the field. Cougars were led by 18-point efforts from both Trevin Nell and Fusini Traore. 17 points from Jackson Robinson. It was the first 50-point win for BYU since a 91-33 blowout of San Diego all the way back in 2016. So with the win, BYU moves to 3-0 on the season. Their metrics are getting way better. We'll talk about in a moment. Up next, Morgan State visits BYU at the Marriott Center on Saturday night. That was a wow last night. This team can shoot the ball. Hey, number one seed women's soccer, Host 8 USC tonight in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Coverage begins at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Plus. With a win, BYU would play the winner of Harvard and Michigan State also at home. Kyle Van Noy and the Baltimore Ravens host the Cincinnati Bengals tonight, Thursday night football. KVN, how about the impact he's making in limited games? Has five sacks already, four tackles for loss, just seven games played for the Ravens. He was hanging out. He was... 
talking football and just watching on the couch, and then all of a sudden he's a playmaker for the Baltimore Ravens. True veteran. He didn't have to go to camp. That's what true veterans no, do. They just go. play. They don't go to camp. How about former BYU soccer star Michaela Clough? She's going to make her return to Utah. She signs uh, with the Utah Royals of the NWSL. Clough has played the past two seasons with the Orlando Pride. Welcome back to the state yes, of Utah, great Michaela, to have Michaela Clough. Zach Fuchs and Wally Thane of BYU Men's Tennis are currently ranked number 35 in the latest Intercollegiate Tennis Association doubles rankings. The spot marks the duo's first appearance together in those national rankings. Well done, gentlemen. The BYU men's and women's swim and dive uh, are in third place after day one at the Mizzou Invite. For the four school, um, with four school records being broken by BYU, swimmers include Jordan Tiffany in the 100-meter backstroke and Brad Prolo in the 200-meter fly. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. You ready for some hot takes? Let's explain? do this. Let's go. Question number one. Yesterday, Aaron Roderick was asked how tough this year's schedule is. And before we answer what we think about it, here's his response. Here. There's no argument. It's yeah. not even close. <laughs> and the only ones that are even close to it were the last two years before this. Said that this year's schedule is the toughest in BYU football history. Do you agree that the last three years are the toughest stretch? I'm not gonna say they're not tough. They are. But hold on, my man. Come on. <laughs> what what Come about on. 2004? What do, you, what do you think about that season with uh, yeah. USC the in, national in the champions? Mix, um, Notre Dame on the like top ten team. Yeah, it, it's. I look at back at that 2004 season and. The quality at the top of that schedule Boise State was, was ranked yeah. and awesome. And Boise State was as good as anyone from number three down in the Big 12 this year, that year. That's when Boise State was rolling. Yeah, I, I, I can make a case for 2004. You and I were talking a while ago, and you were saying, hey, how about 91, right? Yeah, yeah. BYU also had to play at Stanford that year, who had an NFL quarterback. Like, it was – they opened the season – yeah, beating Brady Quinn in Notre Dame in 04, but I mean, just had a gauntlet of a schedule. 1991 to me is that's, the That's answer. the one you like, right? 1991. Ty Detmer in his senior season, after he lost all of his senior help, his junior campaign, had a bunch of young guys around him. Florida State, Penn State, UCLA, Air Force. And then they had to play seventh ranked Iowa in the Holiday in the, Bowl. And, the and, and by the way, Air Force was really good back in those days and ranked, like kind of like they are this year, right? So that schedule yeah. was loaded. Yeah. So I, I don't San know. San Diego State. How about I, that 45-45 game that Ty had to win? With Marshall Falk? That 91 schedule was yeah. crazy. So we, we beg to differ. It, hey, we're not discounting how difficult this has been, but there's been some tough seasons in the past. Yeah. So, okay, here's one for you. What do you expect to see from women's soccer tonight against USC? At You're least, my expert. At least a two-goal victory. USC, Ooh. in my opinion, was fortunate to get past Grand Canyon. They were fortunate to get a favorable penalty kick. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a bad call. It granted USC a PK. They scored it. Grand Canyon missed a bunch of pretty good chances to score. The Trojans did not look great in their opener. BYU looked very strong. They finally beat Utah State, a team who has had their number over the last number of years. Uh, BYU, th that game was the, the one that they were worried about the most, was Utah State, because they beat them in the regular season. Right. 
Utah State beat them again. They got through that, Blaine. I feel like this team is right in a wave of confidence. I'm, I'm no expert, but I feel like this is the best passing team in college soccer. And there's something to be said for a team that shares the ball and is connected like that. BYU all the way to the, all the, way to the Final Four. Let's so. go. Another college cup. Number 13, BYU women's volleyball host number 17, Kansas, tomorrow night on senior night for the Cougars. Coverage begins at 9 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Today's rise and shout out goes to a guy who went from team manager to a step back three for the ages last night with the Marriott Center going nuts. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Our question of the day, what would qualify as a successful offensive performance against Oklahoma? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Jacob Dawson on Facebook who says, at least 85 plus yards rushing with one touchdown there, 250 yards passing with two touchdowns passing. At least this team is able, or this team is able to do this when everybody does their part. Okay. So he's, hey, do your job. That's our theme for the show today. Do your job. Do your job. And everything will be fine. So that's very, and I agree. I agree with him 100%. Win the turnover margin, probably by plus two. Yes. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How cool is it to watch what Jared McGregor did for BYU men's basketball? This it night? was so fun. Former manager walked onto the team. Last night he hits a step back three. My favorite part, I just looked down to the bench. The bench went nuts. Absolutely crazy. That tells you how much they love this guy and how much, <laughs> like, look at the bench. They were out of their minds with a little, he pushes, it's a Michael Jordan-esque step back and knock down the three. I absolutely loved it. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, great moment last night in a 57-point win. BYU top 15 team in Ken Palm. Blaine, unreal. Our thanks yeah. to today's guests, Max Hall and Isaac Rex. Yeah, sorry to Dennis Pitta. As usual, we ran out of time. The conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand at BYUSN.com. For Blaine, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Terrell Day. We've got time for Dennis tomorrow. He's on the show. BYU Women's Soccer tonight. Go Cougs!